0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Thanks. Um, we're doing psalms, right? And um, I was asked to, to share on a psalm, and Psalm eight is what we're going to do, right? Now, I think it's going to be up there, right, on the screen. So he- here's an invitation for you, uh, just to start. I, um, if you would like to join with me in reading it, read it you know, and you've got and you're a quiet Baptist. you might just like to milly vanilli the thing, and <laughs> make it look like you're reading. Um, or if you're a loud Baptist or you're just visiting, and you're Pentecostal, and you just love being loud, um, be loud with me, right? We're gonna read it out loud. So as loud as you feel, your voice could go. Um, Use it now as we read this, all right? Okay, one, two, three. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? for you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. May the Lord bless that word to us. Now, I reckon that this is one of those psalms which has a lot of familiar phrases. Is there a familiar phrase that you've always remembered in this psalm? So give me a little wave and share it with me. What do you see? Yeah? How excellent excellent is your name. Yeah, we sang a little bit about that, didn't we? Thanks, Max. Thanks, Max. Anyone else? Yeah? Out of the mouths of babes. babes, Yeah, out of the mouths of babes. That's a memorable one, isn't it? Have you ever heard people say that? Some child says something in a party and someone says, out of the mouths of babes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. That one, actually, I'm just trying to remember who it was. (coughs) It was one of the early translators came up with this in the 1500s and almost every translation has kept it. It's kind of like a favourite. Anyone else got a favourite phrase in that psalm? Just give me a little wave. Don't be bashful. Yeah. How majestic is your name? Do you remember the song we used to sing? Majesty? Anyone remember that? Yeah. Yeah. 90s. Yay. All right. so Enough of that. Um, (laughs) Anyone else got a favourite phrase that they always remember, but it's in this psalm? Anyone else? We're all bashful. Yeah? What is man that you are mindful of him and yeah. the son of man that you Yeah, that's a... See, you could tell the theological student, right? <laughs> He's going to ask, that one's going to get him every time. What is man? That's right, isn't it? Yeah, what is man that you are mindful of him? Well, anyway, this is um, <coughs> the passage that I, I said to Dave I would... I would uh, share actually one little nerdy thing that, as a classical musician, I love to you know be nerdy about classical music. Anyone else classical music buff? Woo! There's one of us, two of us, (laughs) (laughs) three of us. Um, This particular psalm has been done, as it were, since the 11 and 1200s, and obviously they used to do it in Latin, Domine, Dominus, nostra, which means Lord, how excellent is your name. But um, this has been sung in the church for a thousand years. This particular song, and people were singing it, obviously, when David wrote it uh, in, in, that, in that Jewish fashion they were singing it. And so this has been something which has been a, um, a theme of Christians. It's rich in its imagery and it's rich in its meaning too. So let's have a look at it together. Right through the psalm, we'll go from verse to verse and we'll see what we can see. Well, the interesting thing about Psalm 8 is it has bookends. It starts the same way it finishes. If you have a look at verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Now, when we get to the last verse, you'll see it reappear. It's the declaration, Lord, your name is excellent in the earth. It It is the right way that we approach everything is that we begin with a sense of honour for him. This is where everything else flows from. In, no matter what you want, no matter what you're looking for as a Christian person, everything begins with that sense of how excellent his name is. Actually, the interesting thing about worship is that in heaven, when you read books like Revelation, particularly chapter 4 and 5, you notice that they're singing these songs and you get the sense that they're singing them all the time. They're worshipping all the time, permanently worshipping. It's a really interesting thing to remember that in heaven there is no time. And it's one of the few places in all creation now where you're permanently in the present you are neither, there's no past, there's no future. You are permanently in the present. Isn't that interesting? Uh, you know, sometimes you get yourself into situations, don't you, where you think time has stopped. There's just agony and embarrassment. You know what I mean? Am I the only person who's had moments like that? We've had that time when, you know, when you think, oh, beam me up, Scotty. Get me out of here quickly. You know, I, this is too much for me. I would rather not be here. This is embarrassing. There is in heaven no past or present. God himself is outside of time and space. So when he sees the past, he sees the future. When he sees the beginning, he sees the end. That's why the psalmists and others like the apostles were always saying, Lord, how excellent are you? That you can perceive all that. You see, when we... Look at anything. We're taking our past with us, don't we? We're taking our hopes for the future with us. We bring them in. And then we try to interpret things. No wonder we get things wrong from time to time at least. And so God is outside of time and space. And so when you worship, you're actually locking in to that. You're actually connecting yourself to that. And by doing so, what you're doing is giving yourself the best chance to be able to rightly interpret life. Lord, how excellent is your name. (coughs) I'm locking in to that because that's where it is, truth. And so I come into that place and I I lock myself in. And how do I do it? I praise. That's how I do it. That's why Christians have always liked music. We've always liked music. And unlike the other two big monotheistic religions, Judaism and, and Islam, we all sing. Now, I know some of us are going, oh, gee, I wish I, you know, I didn't have to sing. Anyone feel like they've got a voice that really no one should hear? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes... Have you ever heard yourself sing and you go, oh, oh, that is so embarrassing? (laughs) Have you ever seen yourself on film? Ever seen yourself on film? Oh, that is embarrassing too. Oh, man, that you just wish, no, no, that's not right. I don't know how these movie people do it. You know, do we watch themselves? I wonder, could you actually. If you were, I wonder whether actors actually go into the movies that they've done and watch themselves. Perhaps they do, I don't know. Anyway, this idea of praise then is why we praise God. Because we are actually wanting to get things right. And so we begin with this there's a lot of things I don't understand, there's a lot of things I'm trying to work my way through, there's fear, there's anxiety. There's anger, there's resentment, there's all this stuff that I have to navigate. There are good things and bad things. There are bad experiences and and terrible experiences. There is loss, unbelievable loss and suffering and isolation. There's all these things that I have to work through. How do I possibly do that? And the psalmist, because he had a lot of issues to deal with, said, you begin there. You begin in that place where you offer praise in the face of what you're going through. Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Does it make sense? You begin there. So something going wrong this week, begin there. Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. It's something that coming to you that is unbearable, that you actually are finding right now, you're finding it, Lord, I just can't it with this. There is no, There is nothing I have, that helps me deal with this. I haven't got anything that enables me to manage this. And I remember years ago, the Holy Spirit taught me this truth. He said, when there's something that you can't manage, when there's something that you can't deal with, come to me, praise me, and say this thing to me, Lord, I can't carry this. You carry it in Jesus' name. And so I come to this, oh, God bless you, sir. <clears throat> I have preacher's throat. You, you may not know, but that's a thing. It is. Yeah, preacher's throat. I've got to teach five days this week. I'm going to be, yeah, anyway. And then I'm preaching in another church next week. Anyway, we're going to have fun. Anyway, so this is where we begin as God's people. We don't ask God take this away, that's theologically not what the Bible says to do. The Bible says instead, we come to God and we praise, we look to him, we align ourselves with him, and then we may say, Lord, I can't carry this, you're going to have to carry it. But then the beautiful thing is that the Bible tells us the beauty of a Christian life is They are in Christ, Christ is in them, and Christ is in God. Anyone that is coming to get you has to go by God himself to get to you. Do you see? That's why anybody who knows that, anybody who knows that, that's why they say, Lord, how excellent is your name. Why? Because they know, you're coming for me, that's fine. Give me your best shot. But just remember, the first one you're going to see is Father himself. And if you manage to get by him, you're going to deal with the Son of the living God, Messiah himself. You're going to to hit the Lord of glory. And I'm pretty sure you haven't got past him ever yet. Last time you tried was a big... You got the idea, right? Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We are facing many things at this time as people, dealing with issues. If ever there was a time when Christians should be full of praise, it's now. Because we need answers, correct? We need answers. We need answers. We don't need fear. We don't need anxiety. That eats us up. That chews us up that distresses us, it doesn't help us. And so what we need are answers. Where do we begin? Oh, Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. All the earth, full of your glory. You got the idea, right? All right. So verse two, let's have a look at that. I won't preach as long on each verse. Goodness, Dave will send me a memo if I do that. That would be unfair. Anyway, look at this one. Out of the mouths of babes. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies that they may silence the enemy and the avenger. Yeah. (coughs) The heavens said one Psalmist, David in Psalm 19, declare the glory of God. Isaiah in Isaiah 6.3 said that the glory of God Was throughout the earth. This glory is kavod in Hebrew. It means it's the heaviness of His presence. And what God has decided to do is to reveal the kavod, not to people who think they know but to even the nursing infants. Why would he do that? Well, because mainly it's due to revelation, not to understanding. In this world, you will notice some Christians are what we would call rationalists, that is to say they will try to understand everything rationally first. But we come from the place as christian people as followers of the christ we come first step for us is revelation we get a revelation and then we begin to think it through we don't turn our minds off we don't turn our brains off never turn your brain off and think it's not it it's not useful no 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 it's very useful So use your mind. If you've got a good mind, use it a lot. If you've got a bad mind, use it a lot. Notice, just use it, right? And and the reason for this is because the revelation of the kavod, the revelation of the glory of God was central to those like David who wrestled with life and didn't get it right every time. And, and like us struggles with things, yet the glory of God, the kavod, is what we enter into. You have ordained strength. Now, the, the enemy is around, he says. The enemy is about. And here's how we silence him. We silence him. And what we, how we do that is out of our mouths as we declare the glory of God, the kavod, as we declare it as we enter into it, as we glory in it, we actually begin to silence the avenger. When something comes against you, you don't give in to fear. You rise up and say, nevertheless, the glory of God is throughout the earth and it is in my life. I am in Christ. Christ is in me. God is has overcome. So we begin to take a very different first step. How ironic then that a lot of Christians still fall into fear. We don't need to fall into fear. No matter what's happening, we don't need to fall into fear. We don't need to fall into anxiety. We can if we choose. Obviously, we can if we choose. But we don't need to. Why? Because the kavod has been redeemed. Sorry, Released revealed and we enter into it in our praises and we say oh god how excellent is your name and we silence the enemy it's a fascinating and wonderful thing in these days therefore don't fall into fear don't give in to any narrative of fear of anxiety oh you know we've used we've used the end times message to actually fear people. I, my wife and I, we like the simple phrase about the end times. God wins. Yeah. Hallelujah. We already know how this story ends. Hallelujah. That's pretty good, don't you reckon? Yeah. You don't have to care. You know, it's, it's one minute to go. The other side think they're leading. Ha, ha, ha. Right? God wins. It silences the enemy. What silences the enemy for the psalmist, even there before Christ, is he knew praise did that. What? Why? Because the kavod, the glory of God, had been revealed. It was all in the earth and above the earth and around the earth. And he was aligning himself to that. And it silenced the enemy, he said. Wonderful, isn't it? I mean, seriously, it's good news, isn't it? You're very quiet this morning. Please feel free anyway let's look at verse three we're getting through it actually we'll probably look at verse three to five guys together you've got now the when I consider the the heavens if you're looking into the, the creation and uh, David describes it all that God has done and and he, he's doing this because he's trying to explain where human beings fit, where human beings fit. The counter-narrative in our schools and our universities is that man is an animal, he is part of the animal group he's descended from, right? He, he's evolved from. That is the counter-narrative, and it's a counter-narrative that's naturally and logically being developed because their first step atheism's first step is to reject the notion of there being a God. So having done that, they have to then figure out creation. For a long time, they weren't interested in explaining it, but they got into it. And now they've developed a a narrative which is in all our schools, in all our schools, even Christian schools. It's in all our schools, subtly, and, and, uh, and yet very present it's in there and it's meant to say to a human being you can actually do the whole of your life without any reference to God at all it's all based on a Greek philosopher from three centuries before Christ who's suggesting, in response to the, the stoicism of that time, he suggested we don't need the gods, we are the god. Does that sound a tiny bit familiar? This is the old idea that keeps coming back again and again. We who follow the Christ are meant to be distinctly different. For us, we are not just an animal evolved from other animals. We are not meant to see ourselves just as flesh and blood and we don't nothing else there's nothing else valuable we have been made in the image of God and so the, David is trying to explain even from his perspective hey where does man fit in all of this that i see the moon i see the stars i see the beasts i see the, the fish in the sea i see all of that where do we fit And then he begins this wonderful journey. And you can see it in verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you would visit him, you have made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. Oh, boy, that's a different view of human beings, isn't it? Oh, but wait a minute. You notice that when you get praise, sometimes you can drink the Kool-Aid. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed when people are good at something, they actually begin to think they're good at, you know, and they, yeah, they drink the (laughs) Kool-Aid. The context for us is we've got to find a way of living with this glory placed upon us without losing it and becoming so full of ourselves we forget Where does man fit in? I see the moon, I see the stars, I see the birds, I see the bees, I see the fish, I see the elephants, and so on. I see all of that. Where do we fit in? And then he goes, oh, we're not just, you know, one of that. He says, you have been made a little lower than the angels and crowned with glory. Oh, man. You know, sometimes I'll bet you wake up in the morning feeling like you've been crowned with glory, don't you? Sometimes you may even think to yourself, "Wow, self, the scriptures say you are crowned with glory. See, not many of us do that, do we? Not many of us do that. But the right way for a human being to see themselves is here. You have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory what are you supposed to do in response to that? Oh, Lord, how excellent is your name? Why would he do that? He's a crazy person. Doesn't he know we've got issues? Why would he crown people with issues? Well, he didn't. You remember Adam and Eve were crowned with a glory in the creation, weren't they? The Bible says if you read Genesis... Do you remember the phrase? <coughs> Give you a little bit more Latin. Imagio Deo. What does that in Latin mean? Meaning the image of God. Man is made in the image of God. Yeah. The beautiful thing is that David, living when he did, still thinks. That what God did and what God still does, because every human being is made in his image, is he crowns every person born with glory and honour. Oh, dear Lord, that's a risk. That's a big risk. You'd think he'd know better. If we were in charge, if we were God, we'd go, I've seen that guy, he's not getting any glory and honour. He's getting a kick up the pants, Maybe but he won't get any glory and honour. And this is the extraordinary thing about God, that he should invest every human being with glory and honour. You see, for ideas like this, (coughs) this is why Christian people are so opposed to abortion. Because for us, you can't do this to something that carries the glory of, And the crown and honour given by God because they're made in his image. Just can't do it. And so we struggle with that. That's why we are so appalled at the trafficking of children. Why we are so appalled at the mistreatment of women by their partners or husbands. We are so appalled at these things. Why? Because these people are the made in the image of God and crowned with glory and honour. You can't treat someone given that with, with dishonour. And yet, we even speak cruelly to one another. We have no right to do it, but we do it. Do you see? The implications of this are pretty, are pretty widespread, aren't they? The way I speak to you matters. Why? Because you've been crowned with glory and honor by God himself. If I have a problem with you, I've got to be careful the way I handle it. I can't just haul off and say something cruel to you. Why? Because you're crowned with glory and honor. Do you see the implications of this? Why would the apostles be so sure that gossip was wrong? Because of this. Yet we live with gossip all the time, don't we? We're cruel to one another almost all the time. We don't read one another well. We're cruel and dishonourable to one another. We don't need to be. We criticise one another. And I'm just talking about Christians. (laughs) We're supposed to be the different people. We're supposed to be the people that the world looks at and says, now those people are different. They're living differently. There's something about them that's different. And I want a piece of that. But we're no different, you see. We don't surprise the world anymore. You want to know why our churches aren't full? It's because we don't surprise Australians anymore. They think they already know what we're like. They think they've guessed what we're into. You got any idea? Want to surprise an Australian? Get into an alignment with the glory and honour that's on your life and begin to live it in front of people. And then they'll go, oh, man, that's different. That's different. They live as though there's something more. Yeah. Oh, Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Yes. Yes. The interesting thing is that not only for that reason, but for the next reason in verses 6 to 8, David gives another more taxing idea for us to consider. In verse 6, he says this, You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. I've had more than one uh, debate with an environmentalist that suggests that that's just crazy. What I think you you and I have to try and understand is why would God take the risk of giving his glory and honour simply to those people who are made in his image, knowing when they've got issues and couldn't be trusted very far? Why would he do that? Because there's something that God wants is to engage all of us in transforming the world. Not in waiting around here till we go to heaven. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not that you wait around here, then you go to heaven. That's good news if you're 95, you've just found out, you've got your sins forgiven, just wait here, you're going to heaven soon. That's good news. Hallelujah, I'm all for that. I'm 66 years of age. I'm looking forward to when I'm 95 or whatever it is, if the Lord says now it's time, great, I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. As a friend of mine said just before he died, doesn't matter Colin, I'm going to live here or I'm going to live there. It doesn't matter. And so, why why would it be? It wouldn't be good news for an 18-year-old, someone like Max here who is what is he? What are you 13 or 14, Max? <coughs> How old are you, son? 21. 21. Well done, son. He's a good young man, isn't he? You're a blessing to us, man. So why why would he do this? It's because there's something that God has wanted since Adam turned away and found his own path. There's something that God has wanted. He's wanted to partner with those made in his image to transform the world. He's wanted that more than anything else. Why do you think he sent Jesus? Make sure that could happen. Remove all this. See, sin's not the issue anymore. Hallelujah. You tingle with that thought, don't you? Sin is not the issue. Our hearts are the issue. Hallelujah. We've got a new nature. I like it. Built for glory it is. Hallelujah. You can enjoy it. You know, living in victory, overcoming good that's why they call it good news right yeah he wants to transform the world and ironically when you look at what david is saying even there the revelation that we are still wrestling with is there you've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands you've put all things under his feet then he describes it a little bit all sheep and oxen even the beasts of the field and then he goes to verse 8 the birds of the birds of the air the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea, over everything. We are meant to carry this partnership with God so that the whole world can be redeemed. We're supposed to be a part of that. And then he comes to the bookend and he says, how excellent is your name, with an exclamation mark. All the high notes of Genesis... I'm coming to the application now, right? You know what happens to the application? It's not long to the end. You start thinking, ah, yes, morning tea is coming. All the high notes in Psalm 8 are picked up by David from Genesis 1. In trying to get a right picture of God and creation, And where man fits, he goes right back to Genesis 1 and he uses all the high notes from Genesis 1 and he pops them in Psalm 8. Why did he do that? Well, he knows that everything that was designed and designed by God were formulated there. Even notwithstanding the issues that we have and the shortcomings that we have, seem to live with so happily. All the high notes are there. Notwithstanding this possibility that we could get it wrong, this psalm talks to us about some glorious possibilities that God, who has made the heavens and the earth, seeks to partner with us to finish his project. Amazing. We who are suspect are not blocking the plan of God to transform the world. And yet we have power. Christians are as guilty of misusing power as people in the rest of human society. How are we supposed to manage power How is someone to live with the glory and the honour, crowned with glory and honour? How are we supposed to manage what God wants? He wants me to partner with him in the world transformation. How am I supposed to do that? How do I manage what he's put on my life for his glory, not for mine? And we get stories in the Bible that tell us a couple of examples. One is Joseph, the other is Daniel. These are two guys (coughs) who had to interface between people, himself, people, and government, and pharaohs, kings, to manage the glory of God. How do you do that? And you read the story. Of, of Joseph and you read the story of Daniel and you begin to see, ah, how does one live like th- they're supposed to live, crowned with glory and honour? How, how are we supposed to do this? Well, now you begin to see it working out. You actually are prayerful. You're thoughtful. You're humble. You are gracious. You are kind. Sounds like you're reading Galatians, right? You are all those things. And you don't need to grasp Philippians 2. You don't need to hold on to power. Whatever power you have, you don't need to exercise it for your own sake. Your reputation actually doesn't matter. You don't have to defend yourself. You can hold it all lightly and operate in the power of God for his glory and for his honor. And they did that. You know, we, we look at the end of of Genesis, for example, and Joseph, in responding to his brothers, says, If you remember, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good that many should survive. We are supposed to be the ones who make the world different. Daniel prays a prayer. And in the praying of the prayer in Daniel 9, he ushers in a sense of the future for the next 2,000 or so years. And he even sees the Son of Man from of old. Hallelujah. I think the world needs Christians to stand up and to live the glory and honour that's been put on them not sitting and retreating into our churches and trying to hold on to what we have, but instead engaging with the world, living differently, living differently, living profoundly differently in front of people. And it all begins, oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, it all begins there. It all begins there. I want to encourage you that God has not called you simply to believe certain things and come into here and sing songs and read your Bible and have your devotions. That is not what he called you to do. That's just what you do because you know how much value there is in coming together with the people of God. Now, you were called, every last one of you, you were given glory and honor. Plus, you have the revelation of Jesus. Now, you have been called to co-labor with Christ for the transformation of the whole world. You're supposed to be different. You can't run from who you are anymore. If there was ever a time when the Christians have to realise we can't run from who we are, we've got to be who we are in front of our friends. Live it out, be it. Right? We've got to learn to do that again. This is not us trying to say, you're wrong and we're right. Oh God, save us from that. Let's not go to the world and just critique them. Let's live in the world as though we know the glory of God, as though the kavod is on us. Let's live in the world like this. Oh, it's a challenge for us, isn't it, right? It's difficult, even. There are things that go on for us that are sometimes too hard to manage. Sometimes we don't get it right. I know. I'm the same. Sometimes we don't understand everything. I know. I'm the same. Sometimes I don't have all the answers. I know. I'm the same. You don't need all the answers. You are in Christ. Now live. Live different. Don't live in fear. Live in hope. Don't live in doubt. Live in thanksgiving. Don't live as though there's nothing left to do. There's heaps to do. And I'm not saying get people into church. God help us, we've got to be bigger than that. This is not about getting us people into church. Look, if people come to church, hopefully it's because they see the value of worship. We've got to do a whole lot better at this. It, Whether people come to church or not, I'm going to sound like I'm a real kind of... um, You know, someone's going to tell on me today. I get a call from him. Hey, uh, can we have a chat? I need you to show cause. Uh, Listen, getting people into church is not the point. Transforming the world is the point. That's why... Your work, where you are, is such a fine, wonderful thing, a beautiful thing that Jesus will use for his glory. Your business, your school, wherever you are, you can can be in that place, carrying the glory and honour. Well, I think I've made my point. Hopefully I have. I just wanted to pray for a couple of groups of people here before we have some worship. I'll hand over to my brother. Is there anyone here this morning who's in transition? You feel as though you're moving into a very uncertain future. Would you just stand where you are? I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Just stand where you are. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. You don't have to do anything. Just stand where you are. Often, when human beings come into transition, one of the things they forget is what they carry. You carry the glory of God and the promise of God because your life is hid with Christ in God you didn't do that god did that for you isn't that wonderful so i i want to pray for you and pray this blessing on you so if someone is standing near you look towards them and when i'm praying just really agree with me for them all right would you do that for me if you need to twist around please do that if you want to reach out your hand as That's a habit that we have too. You can do that too. Let's pray for our friends. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bring several of our friends to you uh, in the name of Jesus because they are moving from what they've been doing into something new. We want to thank you, Father, that the glory of God is on these friends and that they are in Christ, right in the center of the will of God. So we pray that your Holy Spirit will come upon them right now and begin to reassure and urge and revision and remind and fill. Lord, help each of my friends to move through this transition and into the fullness of what you have for them. Help them, Lord, to grow in the grace that is already on them For their future. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, friends. Take your seats. Now, any young person here who's in high school, is there anyone here who's in high school or uni? There's a couple down there. I don't don't want to embarrass you. You don't have to say anything, but if you could, just stand up for me so, so I know where I'm looking. All right, there's a couple there. Is there anyone else in either school? Yeah, please, you're not going to be asked or embarrassed if you could and again I I just want to say these words to you you guys are incredibly important incredibly important I'm pretty sure that you don't realise how important you are you carry a, a sacred thing on you potentially that could lead to the transformation of the world way beyond my generation you will be operating with incredible power and if My wife and I, we're often talking about this where our sense is we're coming into something absolutely incredible. It's not the end, it's just the beginning. We we see promise everywhere. Now, I don't know that too many people look at the world right now and see promise, right? But I do, and my wife does. We're both crazy. We both look at the world like this. This means this is your time. God has called you, desires your help Would you help him change the whole world? Figure out a way to do it with his help. So just turn to them. Let's pray for them and ask the Lord to help them. Father, in the name of Jesus, these precious young people, and we think of our children who are in the holiday program now too. Lord, we bring them all to you in the name of Jesus. and We speak words of blessing and favor and kindness over them. We speak, Lord, release. I pray that your Holy Spirit will come upon them with power that you will baptize them in the Holy Spirit, and that their lives will be so transformed as to bring into the world a better thing for every human being to enjoy. Lord, raise up the doctors and the nurses. Raise up the researchers. Raise up. The, the, the men and women with understanding and the ability to lead others. Raise up men and women who can live the glory of God. And I just pray this blessing. Be full of confidence, young people, I say. Bless you and help you to be strong in the Lord. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. One final thing. Thank you very much. One final thing. One of the things that can happen to us as Baptists... Yeah, you know, I know the Bible says repent and be Baptist, all right, but uh-huh, it's an oldie but a goodie. Anyway, one of the things about worship is that we are very, well, we, we're passionate on the inside. You know, we, we are genuinely passionate about what we sing. What are we going to sing now, brother? How great is our God? How great is our God? Now, it's an interesting thing when you get certain groups of people who know this to be true and who are living in this glory because the glory and honour is on them that he gave, they sing it different. And I think one of the things that Baptist churches have got to get good at is passionate singing out the glory of God. We used to do it. We used to do it. Remember, some of the older people in the congregation. Do you remember the way a congregation would sing, then sings my soul, how great, right? You remember the way they used to sing that? And some used to get so carried away, you think, can't they hear themselves singing? They should stop, you know, and yet here they are full-throated. They're just going for it, right? I wonder whether the Lord is not saying, I want you to get passionate with this. I want you to get so passionate with it that you love it. You love singing for my glory and for my honour. You just love it and you enjoy doing it, right? So that's my final word to you. I'm going to quit here. We're going to have morning tea soon. That's good, right? We enjoy a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, a bit of a chat, something to say to one another, encouraging one another in our faith. hope you do that. Yeah. So we hand over. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Over to you, brother. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click Get Connected to let us know.